0: Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Welcome and thanks again for joining us this Sunday evening for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah. I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage. And tonight we have a very special program for you with a very special guest. As always, we welcome our listeners to give us a call during our program. And we have call screeners standing by to take those calls at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt. Uh, Yesterday afternoon, you and I had the privilege of spending an afternoon in Staten Island with a good friend of this program, Dow Buford. Dow was doing an interview and a book signing at the Stapleton
1: Public Library, and it was an awesome event. That's right. He's written a really incredible book filled with his own poetry about his mall that has it all. And he's of his different things he sold on the Staten Island Ferry and yeah. his his challenges, his trials and triumphs in doing that. Mm-hmm. And Dow is a great friend, and he's such a blessing. How he's endured, and he's victorious in Jesus Christ. So, yeah, yeah. So we say, Dow, keep on pressing on out there, brother. And it was great to see you yesterday.
0: Yeah, and I was just—I was so impressed, Dow. How um, you know you're sitting there in a New York City public library, and questions would be asked of you, and you would just mention Jesus Christ. So you'd bring it back to Jesus Christ. We were talking before the program, and Pastor even mentioned. You know, they said, "What would you want young people to know right now?" And you just right that away mentioned born Jesus again Christ. that they become
1: saved. <laughs> that and was said, awesome. Yeah. That was just fearless and bold, brother. Uh, he's not ashamed of the gospel. So. And someone else who is not ashamed of the gospel, Micah, is our missionaries that are here tonight. Amen. Brother Forrest McVale, his wife Jennifer, is a silent partner, but she's here with us, so we welcome them into our studio this evening. And Forrest and Jennifer have served in Cambodia for 23 years, and they're here tonight to share with us the blessings, the challenges as well of their ministry, and a book he's written, a very important book, called Pioneer missions. So Forrest, thank you for your many years of service and ministry there in Cambodia, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith program. Thank you for letting me be on here with you tonight. Your
2: church and you yourself have been a great encouragement to us over these years of our ministry. Thank you. Hmm.
1: Praise the Lord. Well, we appreciate very much your faithfulness in writing. You write a lot. I do see a lot of your blogs online, as well as your faithful prayer letters, uh, th- over the years to, to pray for you and to see how God is working in you and through you, and to see your family grow as well. So praise the <laughs> Lord. And tonight, we're very happy to have you with us this evening for us to talk about Pioneer Missions and ministry in Cambodia. And before we do that, we're going to read a passage of Scripture, talk about Pioneer Missions is the Apostle Paul in the city of Athens. And so we're going to take up Paul's message that he gives on Mars Hill, Acts chapter 17. And we're going to read verses 22 down through verse 31. And Brother Forrest, if you could please start us off there in Acts 17, verse 22. Then Paul
2: stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell in the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation.
1: That they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him, and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live, and move, and have our being. As certain also of your own prophets have said, we are also his offspring." For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to
0: think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he
1: hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead." And dear friends, we're going to be talking this evening with Brother Forrest McVale regarding his ministry in Cambodia and really also talking about Buddhism, which is a key religion in that part of the world. So if you know of any Buddhist, or if you are a Buddhist, we encourage you to listen carefully tonight. Or if you know a friend who's a Buddhist, call them right now and have them listen to this program that they might hear the gospel Of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Now, Father, take this time, we pray, and glorify your Son, Jesus Christ, and that the power of his death, his shed blood, and his resurrection will come forth tonight. If anyone does not know you as their Savior, that they would be born of God, born of your Spirit by your grace, we pray. So, work now. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're going to talk, Brother Forrest, about your ministry in Cambodia over the years first, and then we'll talk about your book that you've written, Pioneer Missions. So just as we begin, tell us about the challenge of bringing the gospel into a Buddhist country, and maybe tell us a little bit about Buddhism and how different Buddhism is from Christianity. Wow, you just gave me a lot to talk yeah. about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just narrow that down, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been involved in church planting missions in Cambodia for 23 years now, and that means we talk to a lot of people about religion, about the gospel, about the Bible, about the creator God. And as I talk to people, people ask me what's the greatest challenge that you have in talking to Buddhists on the on the field there in Cambodia? The biggest challenge really isn't talking about Buddhism versus Christianity. It's it's more about the fact that Cambodians believe in Buddhism as an ethnic identity. Hmm. It's a very nationalistic thing to be a Buddhist. So a Cambodian would say, to be Cambodian is to be Buddhist, just hmm. like a Thai person in Thailand would say, to be Thai is to be Buddhist. So when you're talking to someone about truth, about religion, about spiritual realities, Uh, The difficulty is that you're challenging a person's ethnic identity that's wrapped around a religion. And that's probably the biggest challenge that we face Mm. in Southeast Asia, talking to people.
1: Yeah, so if their identity is wrapped up into being a Buddhist, what is Buddhism then to a Cambodian? Because as we were even talking about, Buddhism could... take on different shapes and have different there's different elements to it in different cultures so what is buddhism then to a cambodian well buddhism is
2: a philosophy of life um so if you're thinking about it in terms of what does buddhism teach that's one thing and then if you're talking about what do for instance cambodians or burmese people actually believe in real life every day Mm -hmm. that's something different so I can talk about what Buddhism is supposed to be first, yeah. mm. and then get to the other. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so Buddhism has a wide range of expressions depending on the tra- tradition of Buddhism that a person follows. It's a philosophy. It's a worldview, certain principles uh, that people believe. And here are some of the basic ideas. Mm. Uh, first is that life is suffering. So Buddhism is addressing the issue as is that life is suffering. Each of us is in bondage to this endless cycle of reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And we all just keep dying and coming back again, and and, and our, our our life is bound up in our karma. So all of our good deeds and our bad deeds of our present life, when we die and we are reincarnated and come back around again, um, the way that we're born and our, our lifestyle, our status, our health, our wealth, and everything that is about our life is is bound up in our karma our deeds from our past life. So because we have bad karma, we suffer endlessly. And so for a Buddhist, the goal of life is supposed to be to end this vicious cycle of suffering and achieve nirvana. Mm -hmm. So the goal is supposed to be to stop getting reincarnated over and over again Mm -hmm. by your good deeds and merit so that you can achieve nirvana, which is basically non-existence. So how can you do this? How do you, how do you stop this endless cycle of suffering and reincarnation? Through your own self-effort, through self-mastery. And you achieve your own salvation from suffering by your own effort. So Buddhism is all about the individual person and his or her journey of achieving personal salvation through good works and total self-control. So Buddhism, at this level of philosophy does not really talk about spiritual powers, gods, a creator, creation. It's all about this effort to save Mm. yourself through your own efforts. Yeah.
1: So I remember a few years ago in our church, you did a message and you talked about how Buddhism is a religion that promises nothing and delivers nothing. (laughs) Exactly. And so... For example, and I believe you said an idea here, and even what you're saying is that Buddhism tells us of a problem of suffering, but it tells, it really gives no solution because really, you know, to to go into nothingness, that's not a very good mm-hmm. uh, end. Doesn't provide <laughs> much hope, no. No, <laughs> no. Because <laughs> no. no. I mean, I'd rather be alive here, like yeah. if I were Buddhist, I'd still rather be alive here right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, life does have some suffering, but it's better than not being alive at all. I want to live, Mm -hmm. you know, but the idea is it it promises nothing. In other words, it has no promise of knowing God. It has no promise of forgiveness of sin. It has no promise of any hope of redemption, of heaven, of salvation. There's no everlasting righteousness, and there's no ultimate judgment that sets every wrong right in the end. You know, so there's no ultimate justice at the end is is the to me what I, I kinda get out of, of Buddhism. So right. correct so me this, if I'm wrong.
2: This lack of hope mm-hmm. that is yeah. inherent in Buddhism creates this great big hole. Hmm. So what you find in almost all the Buddhists in Asia that adhere to Buddhism and especially in Southeast Asia, their Buddhism um leaves the realm of philosophy and they start mixing in with it all kinds of spirit worship and Hindu gods and ancestor worship. And they mix all of these things in with their Buddhism philosophy because there's no one to pray to. There's no Mm. way there's no one to turn to, to depend upon, to pray to because Buddhism doesn't address any of those things. Mm. And so because people realize how, how weak and insufficient they are and, and, Uh, They don't have any real hope, and they're not really thinking about earning salvation because they know they're full of sin and can't be good enough to become a Buddha someday. So what do they do? They live for the here and now, and they use Buddhism as kind of a trapping to earn health, wealth, wealth. Uh, for this life so it becomes kind of like a prosperity religion Mm. instead of actual buddhism so why do they burn incense why do they put offerings on the altars why do they attempt to do good deeds it's so that they can get a better job it's so that they don't get sick it's so that they'll avoid uh, accidents and bad things happening in their life and they're not really thinking about reincarnation and the next life even though that's what
1: buddhism is supposed to be all about yeah and you know, I think too, for our Western mind mm-hmm. is, you know, in our Western mind and a Judeo-Christian mindset, mm-hmm. we we believe that God is with us, yeah, you know, and that Jesus Christ is our Savior. He's with us, and He'll help us. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll actually give us strength. Yeah. But Buddha is not a Savior that's with them. He is not like Jesus at all, right? Right. I so mean, Buddhism He just is a, some that. kind of a guide but he's not there he's somebody who lived and died and and he's not ever, or did it uh, yeah, yeah, he went into nirvana so he's in nothingness right
2: right so <laughs> there that's where ancestor worship comes in so now uh when i'm afraid uh when i'm anxious when I'm grieving, what do I do? I I talk to, I talk to the dead. Mm, mm-hmm. I appeal to the ancestors. I mm-hmm. appeal to the spirit, the local spirits and deities. Or I might even worship a Hindu god. I, I go to someone other than... I go, I go outside of Buddhist philosophy because Buddhist philosophy
1: just doesn't have answers mm-hmm. for real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So how do you see the differences? What, if you were to summarize the differences... And we're talking about the the differences, obviously, but if you could just summarize the differences of Christianity versus Buddhism, how would you nail down just a couple of those differences?
2: Okay, well, I would put it this way. Buddhism is is about a complete opposite of biblical Christianity. We believe in a one true and living God, the God of creation, the source of all life. We believe that mankind sinned against God, our creator, and brought, and we ourselves brought sin, suffering, and death into the world. We believe that sin is breaking God's law. It's mm-hmm. rebellion against the creator. Mm, yeah. Sin is not just a bad deed against a generic universe out there. Uh, each of us is born into this world condemned in sin. We are accountable to God, our creator, for our lives, and we're going to be judged by him, the person of God, our creator. We cannot save ourselves. There is no amount of good works or merit that we can accumulate or achieve that's going to somehow deliver us from sin and suffering and death. We have to have a savior, and that savior is not religion. It's not our own or, our own merit. Mm -hmm. We believe that God loves mankind and prepared a way of salvation for mankind to be made right with God, a way to have their sin, their guilt, and shame removed so that they could be set free from sin and death, and that way is Jesus Christ. We need Jesus to save us from our sins and deliver us from suffering and death forever. But if you were to listen to a Buddhist monk... Mm -hmm. Um, waxing eloquent over a, a loudspeaker in Cambodia today, he would literally say to the people listening, no one can save you. There is no Savior. It is all up to you. You mm. must save yourself.
1: Wow. That's the exact opposite of Mm. Christianity. Yeah, and dear friends, the good news is there is a Savior. His name is is the Lord Jesus Christ, as Mm -hmm. Brother Forrest just clearly expounded. He's the one who shed his blood and died and rose again. Mm. And as we read in Acts chapter 17, God has appointed a day, dear friends, in which he will judge the world in righteousness through Jesus Christ. He is the one who has been ordained of God. And his ordination to be our judge has been proven by his resurrection. He is raised from the dead, mm-hmm. and he is coming again. So, dear friends, if you're not sure that Jesus is your Savior, call upon him tonight and call us if we can help you. We have some wonderful call screeners, some loving women of God who are here to take your calls tonight at 929-333-3739. We would love to have you call right now at 929 333 Three, seven, three, nine. Brother Forrest, uh,
0: one of the aspects of Buddhism that you just mentioned was reincarnation, which isn't completely unfamiliar to us in the West. There is some sort of romantic idea of reincarnation on a basic level, at least. But can you explain how reincarnation is actually irreconcilable with the cornerstone doctrine of our faith, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of every man to stand before God on that great day of judgment?
2: Good. Well, Jesus Christ is not a Buddha, as some people would try to explain him away. Hmm. The Buddha is said to have had many reincarnations before he finally achieved nirvana Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: ceased to exist, or before he was absorbed into the universe, nirvana. Hmm. Hmm. Jesus is the eternal Son of God who became man, and accomplished salvation for us through his life and death. And then he rose again, returning to heaven from which he came. Mm-hmm. So because because of what Jesus did, all who repent and believe on him are forgiven and granted eternal life.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The Bible teaches us that it is appointed unto man to die once, and yep. after that comes the judgment, Hebrews 9.27. We don't have endless lives and endless opportunities to get it right or try harder. Many Cambodians, for instance, on the street, mm-hmm. uh, they're they're not thinking at all about about uh, living for Buddhism and earning merit in this life. Hmm. Uh, they're looking at just staying out of enough trouble to have enough good merit to have to be prosperous now, uh-huh. and that's all they're living for. Uh, because they think I can just be more Buddhist and be a more more righteous person next time around, I'll party this time, <laughs> even because i'll get another chance. yeah, we don't have that option. we have one life to live. The Bible teaches, mm-hmm. and we must be made with God right right with God through Jesus while we live, yeah, because man. once we die, there is no second chance, mm-hmm. and that is the great deception of reincarnation, the continual multiple opportunities endless opportunities for a second chance so that is why the proclamation of the gospel is so important why belief in jesus christ today mm-hmm. is such an important reality because yeah. we only have one
1: life to live that's yes. right that's appointed unto man once to die let me ask you about genesis 3 i i can't get away from the serpent's conversation with eve and how there's some kind of connection with Buddhism there, where the serpent tells Eve, you will not die if you eat of that fruit, and you shall be as God, knowing good and evil. In other words, there will be some kind of enlightenment. Mm. I don't know if he was promising nirvana of some kind, but promising something through that sin that she couldn't get otherwise, and that she wouldn't die. And I feel like Buddhism is basically telling people you're not going to die mm-hmm. you're going to be reincarnated mm-hmm. rather than face yeah. judgment and death and that's a lie from the devil mm-hmm. that's right
2: mm-hmm. yeah and that's good and also satan was basically pu- putting out that uh that hook that all false religions or many false religions have done over over the years of mankind's history and that is uh, uh, giving the the uh opportunity for man to try to gain inner knowledge that all other people don't have so that they can achieve this wisdom or this enlightenment that's superior to the rest of mankind that they can somehow come to on their own effort and through their own uh, accumulation of of
1: knowledge. Yeah, and we were also talking earlier, if you could maybe explain this, because I thought it was an interesting conversation, and how a Buddhist who believes in some forms of reincarnation so if somebody's been reincarnated and they're wealthy how would they look at somebody who they view has been reincarnated and let's say they're blind or they have some kind of deformity so how does this actually uh work in actual life with people who are either wealthy or Mm -hmm. those who are poor and how do they view each other
2: that's a very, very good question, and it's in the, in the practical reality on the ground in Southeast Asia would be this: somebody that's born with with lots of advantages in life and is healthy looks at someone who is not. Uh, the assumption then is it's the good karma that they had in their last life that caused them to be so privileged in this life. Yeah. And they look at the underprivileged person and say, well, that's because of their bad deeds. They were probably a wicked person. So the more deformed and the more poor they are, the more wicked they actually were in their last life. So the, the, the logic there uh, works against a normal feeling of mercy and compassion on mm. those in need because... Mm-hmm. Those people
1: have what they deserve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of would lead to more pride and condescension toward others who have less. Hmm. So that's a little bit about reincarnation. Talk about the goal of achieving nirvana then. And for for a Buddhist, how is nirvana? I know you've kind of mentioned it, but if you could emphasize it again, Mm -hmm. what exactly is nirvana and how is it different from heaven for a Christian?
2: Well, simply put, nirvana is simply, to, to put it in the most basic way, is just to say non-existence. It's, it's like a person uh, being absorbed into the universe, mm-hmm. as it were. They stop being reincarnated. They're no longer a person. Like I've said, I've, I've never
1: met a Buddhist that actually had this end goal for their daily life. How would they know that? So how do they, what, what's the proof or what's the evidence of reincarnation, though? And what's the proof or evidence that anybody has achieved nirvana? If it's nothingness, how do I know that that person is in nothingness? Even even Siddhartha, the original Buddha, Tana, yeah. you know? <laughs> how do you prove reincarnation? Well, I was
2: I was witnessing to a man one time sharing the gospel with him in Cambodia along the river there in po Sat, and he said to me, I believe in reincarnation. Do you? And I said, no, I don't. The Bible said there's only one life. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I believe in reincarnation. I said, well, why? He said, you see that little girl over there? She's looking about five or six years old. He said, she tells stories of the life of her great grandfather that she could not possibly have ever known. Mm-hmm except that she is the reincarnation of her grandfather so i think that she is the reincarnation of the grandfather he said how do you explain that well i said that satan and his demons are very active in seeking to deceive people and mm-hmm. lead people astray about a lot of things mm-hmm. and satan and his demons were there mm-hmm. when the great when the grandfather was alive mm. and the de- satan and his demons could have given insight to this little girl about some of those facts Mm -hmm. he can do that in order to
1: deceive Mm -hmm. okay so i just have this kind of like off topic a little bit but we're just going to put it out there about the shiny bronze pot-bellied bald buddhas (laughs) we see by the cash registers in the chinese restaurants that we all go to haven't we all seen Mm -hmm. the the shiny buddha buddha there and he's smiling and he's got a pot belly so what is this is this buddhism because we all call him Buddha, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's <laughs> not the Buddha. It's not Buddha.
2: No, that's it's the, not Buddhism. That's the Chinese folk religion, God of Prosperity. Mm. Okay. So yes, a lot of people over here think that's the Buddha, but no, no, he's not. Okay. If you see a statue of a Buddha, he will be skinny because the Buddha is an was an ascetic. Uh
1: huh. Okay, Okay, so there we heard it. We heard it straight. That is not Buddhism. (laughs) That is just Chinese folk spirit religion. Right. Is that correct? Right. God of prosperity. God of prosperity.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the Chinese folk religion, but also you mentioned folk Buddhism before. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading through your book, I found what you said about this really interesting. You said, Cambodians practice a form of syncretism by mixing Theravada Buddhism Hinduism, and animism to come up with their current religion, folk Buddhism. So what's the difference between traditional Buddhism and folk Buddhism, and does the size of your earlobes actually matter spiritually?
2: (laughs) That's funny. The way that they present the the Buddha in different cultures, um, you can tell where the Buddha statues come from based on how long the earlobes are. Oh, really? Actually, yeah. It's funny. Is it so, good to yeah. have big ear lobes? Then it depends on what country you're from. Okay, <laughs> so it's it's more of a difference between philosophical Buddhism, you know, those truths that are supposed to be what Buddhism's for and why people are supposed to hold to Buddhism, versus what people actually believe and how it works out in real life. Mm-hmm. The way what people actually believe in real life is folk Buddhism, and folk Buddhism in Southeast Asia always means syncretism. It means the mixing in of that Buddhist philosophy because mm-hmm. it's it's totally impractical and is hopeless and doesn't really do anything for anybody. And mm-hmm. so they, they fill in the gap by bringing in spirit worship and ancestor worship mm-hmm. um, and other kinds of folk religions, and they mix them all together, mm-hmm. even though they might not necessarily be logical or rational ideas mixed together like that. Mm-hmm. They do that. Um, and they call that folk Buddhism, which is the kind of Buddhism that people
1: actually adhere to. Hmm. You also talk about how um, Buddhists have a a creator sized hole. They have a hole in their heart, and that Buddhism as a philosophy, because as a philosophy, it doesn't promise. God, as we said, it doesn't promise forgiveness of sin. It doesn't promise divine help or or redemption, eternal redemption. So then what do they fill that creator-sized hole in their heart with then?
2: So they end up looking to spirits of the dead whether it be like a the spirit of a general cambodian general in my in posat province in cambodia where i'm from there's a great big shrine to the to a dead general mm. if you go into bodambong city down the road from from us and you come into city there's a huge idol in the middle of the road and it's it's a it's a statue to the de- a dead king Hmm. of Batambang, and so people are worshiping and appealing to the spirit of that dead king, but for many people, it's dead ancestors, Mm -hmm. so you'll see the ancestor shelves in their houses as well as spirits that uh, uh, live in the the, the neighborhood
1: or certain spirits that their family line have always believed in. So are they trying to communicate to their dead ancestors to have communication back from them, or... Or do they, if they, don't do they think their dead ancestors have been reincarnated into something else? Maybe it's just a little girl down the street, like this guy you were talking to. So, and how that, could they that's be? That's one of
2: those great disconnects, right? Mm. So, if everybody's reincarnated, yeah. how yeah. is it that all
1: these people who are dead can be appealed to?
0: Mm.
2: And if right? they've
1: gone into nothingness, if they've achieved nothingness, then they don't exist. So, then how can you appeal to, to nothing? There's a lot of
2: breakdowns here in, in logic and yeah. reason, but that doesn't really matter hmm. to a folk Buddhist. If you mm-hmm. if you try oh. to press one of those ideas mm-hmm. of how this doesn't work with this, right. uh, your average person, in my experience, will just say, "Well, I'm not a monk. I'm not one of the one of the more religious leaders, so I don't."
1: know how that all works. Yeah. Well dear friends, thank you for listening tonight. And we're talking to missionary Forrest McVail who has served in Cambodia for twenty-three years. And Buddhism is not an easy religion for the Western mind to understand because it's so vastly different from the our Judeo Christian worldview and especially from a Christian a Christian worldview. But it's important and it's helpful for us to know what they believe so that we can bring the gospel to them and tell them of the Lord Jesus Christ. We began the program and by reading Acts 17. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons we did that is because Paul is clearly demonstrating an understanding of Athenian culture and of their worldview in his presentation of preaching Christ to them. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but first we're going to play a beautiful song about how Jesus Christ is our Lord, our God, and our all. And dear friends, we want you to give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. Call us right now if we could pray with you about any need. 929-333-3739. Call us now.
3: Jesus, my Lord, my God, my all, hear me, blessed Savior, when I call, hear me, and from your dwelling place, pour down the riches of your grace, Jesus, my Lord, I do I love you more and more. Jesus, to lay for Jesus you are sought. How can I love Jesus you as I ought? Lord. And how to praise Lord. your matchless name, the glorious beauty of your name? My Lord, I do adore oh, help me love you more and more Jesus, my Lord, I do adore Oh, help me love you more and more Jesus, what did you find in me That you had dealt so lovingly
1: Yes, and we trust, dear friends, that you love, that we would love the Lord Jesus Christ more and more, because He is God, risen from the grave, and we will face Him one day. Amen. So we're talking this evening to missionary Forrest McVale, who's serving in Cambodia. And so, Brother Forrest, what are some of the effective ways in sharing the gospel with Buddhists? What kind of questions open up gospel conversations with a Buddhist?
2: Well, there are certain things that uh, come up all the time when you're talking to a Buddhist in Southeast Asia about religion. For instance, they love to say that all religions are good. They're all teaching you morality. They're all teaching people to do right and have good deeds. So all religions are good. And when they say this, this leads up to a follow-up discussion from me, like, (laughs) is this really true? Some religions teach that you can kill and have violence and rape and pillage people in the name of religion, and is that good? And they say, oh, no, well, that's not, that's not. And so the conversation then begins, oh, no, all religions are
1: not good, then no, no, they're not all equal. Yeah, well, all religions are good. That sounds like what people say in the middle of Times Square, Micah, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right. There's mm-hmm. <laughs> not not a whole lot of difference there. Yeah. And another one would be, uh, they say, well, uh, I
2: say, well, Buddhism teaches that salvation comes from yourself. You save yourself through your own merit. Hmm. And then I use that as an opportunity to explain the gospel that in Christianity you cannot save yourself. You're a sinner, you're condemned, and there's no amount of good works you can do to save yourself. You need Jesus Christ to save you. So then they say, well, they're both saying opposite things. Hmm. So Mm -hmm. which one is true?
0: Yeah, Mm
2: -hmm. yeah, Yeah. amen. Of course, uh, when I was a teenager
0: one of the most popular bands on the planet was called Nirvana Mm. for several years until the lead singer shot himself and died. Um, But even just this last year, Taylor Swift, who's one of the most popular musicians in the country and in the world, actually, she had a song, a number two song on the Billboard charts called Karma. Uh, We were just looking at the lyrics and they're pretty stupid. But what is it about Buddhism that you think as far as Americans or people in the West, why
2: do you think it's trendy in the West? Well, my opinion is <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, that Buddhism provides a very convenient escape route for people that want to not identify as Christians, mm-hmm. especially people who are coming out of a Christian background. And they want to have a form of spirituality. Mm -hmm. They want to have some kind of a mystical, emotional, spiritual kind of experience and identity. Mm -hmm. And Buddhism provides that because here in the West, Buddhism is basically a self-help religion. Mm -hmm. And so you get to define for yourself what that looks like here Mm -hmm. in the West. And so that's very convenient. And if you talk and use words like nirvana and karma it 's really trendy
1: mm-hmm. yeah there 's no absolute truth in Buddhism as well, so it 's non confrontational right, right. Uh, You can believe what you want to believe, and I believe what I believe and uh, and and uh, you know speak, speak about trendy, mm-hmm. one of the most popular basketball coaches in all of history, Phil Jackson, hmm. who coached the Chicago Bulls and Los Angeles Lakers to multiple championships, he was famous for. You know, having a Zen Buddhist kind of philosophy. And I believe he was raised in a Pentecostal home. He was raised in a Christian home. Hmm. So, So what's
2: nice about that is there is no God to whom you're accountable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's all up to you. You define what you want to
1: live like and how hard you want to work at this Buddhism thing. Hmm. Yeah. So, you've written a book entitled Pioneer Missions. So right. what is the essence of your book? And let the listeners know as well where they can find it online to read a little bit about it and order it if they would like. Well, Pioneer Missions
2: is... Um are, are the, if, you're, if you're a pioneer missionary, you're seeking to reach pl- people in places where very few people have any idea about Christianity or who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And they've had very little or no exposure to the gospel as a people group, and you're trying to target them with the gospel. And so that's called pioneer missions. And Cambodia was like this when we first went there in 2000. So I wrote this book when I was actually quite ill, and I was unable to fulfill the ministry that that I wanted to fulfill because of how ba- in bad shape I was. Hmm. Um, and so I was really burdened, and I wrote this book, Pioneer Missions, to point out the serious nature of the Great Commission task— on pioneer meal, uh, on pioneer fields, mm-hmm. and to talk about the privileges, the priorities, the problems that are wrapped up in that kind of ministry, and to help people to think about it and pray about it, because people frequently are very unaware of just how complex and truly difficult it is to bring the gospel somewhere where it really hasn't been before. Mm.
1: Yeah. I was reading the story of Hudson Taylor. He went to China and I, I, he has so many amazing stories and illustrations there, but he met a, 70, a 72 year old man and he asked Taylor, Hudson Taylor, this question. He said, the question that distresses me to which I can find no answer is what am I to do with my sins? He said, our scholars tell us there's no future state, but I find that hard to believe. And Taylor answered him directly, and he said, do not believe any such thing, for there is an endless future before every one of us. One must either burn forever in hellfire or rejoice in heavenly bliss. Hmm. So he just gave him that God. He gave him the end, Hmm. either heaven or hell. And then the man said, well, what can I do? What am I to do with my sins? And then. Taylor said this. He said how easy it would have been it back in England to say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a mm-hmm. man. What am I to do with my sins? Yeah. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But Taylor said this would have had no meaning to him. Mm-hmm. He had never heard right. the words of Jesus Christ, nor would, right. the, uh, nor would have his name had any sense of impact upon him. So I guess that's the idea of pioneer missions. So how do you begin to present the gospel in that sense of in pioneer missions to stimulate that further discussion
2: right thank you this is a very very important point and this is something i bring up in my book and i really emphasize is when you're talking with people who have no christian worldview background much at all and they're just not aware of even god or christianity it is extremely important to start the gospel where the Bible starts it. And that's with creation. Genesis 1-1, the first verse in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And i love to talk to a Cambodian. Open up a Cambodian Bible to Genesis 1-1 and show them that verse and say, This is the very first verse in the Bible. And have them read it to me. And then say to them, I am here to explain to you that this is the God that you need to know, the God who created you. Because if people don't know who God is, their creator, they can't understand what sin is. They won't know their need of Mm -hmm. salvation, Mm -hmm. and they won't be able to understand the need for Jesus to come and die on the cross for their sins, and they won't understand the value of the cross yeah. So yeah. here if if somebody knows all this background about Christianity and truth they already believe the Bible they already believe in the creator they already understand sin they already know who Jesus is Well, your starting point in the conversation about the gospel
1: is much further down the road
2: than it would be for somebody who's basically a blank
1: slate. Yeah, I'm interested also in this matter of suffering, that Mm -hmm. life is suffering for a Buddhist. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we we believe there's suffering in this life, but we also have an answer for why there is suffering. And we would say it's because of sin and that Christ came to suffer, to deliver us from the suffering ultimately, you know. So he did the ultimate act of suffering to deliver us from sin and death so what how does a buddhist respond to that yes there is suffering in life but the reason for the suffering is because of sin how how would a buddhist kind of respond to that
2: well, that that emphasis on where suffering comes from is very important for us when we're giving the gospel to people, that suffering entered into this perfect world that God made because of mankind and because of mankind's decisions to rebel against God, and so that's where sin, suffering, and death come from. But when we talk about Jesus dying on the cross to save us from sin and suffering and death, mm-hmm. and Jesus suffering on our behalf on the cross... That's very hard for Cambodian Buddhists, because, or just Buddhists in general, because salvation or achieving nirvana for a Buddhist is supposed to be all about your personal karma, your own merit. Mm -hmm. So for Jesus to die on our behalf and to pay for our sin seems to be unjust to a Buddhist, Mm. when in truth it's the ultimate justice because God himself chose to bear and pay for our sins, and he's the one to whom we've sinned
1: against. Hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. right. So how do they get your book, Pioneer Missions, written by missionary Forrest McVale? And if you're interested in this, where do they find your book, uh, Forrest? Well, you can find it on Kindle, on Amazon.com.
2: It's the digital version, Kindle, but you can also get a printed copy as well there. And it's entitled
1: Pioneer Missions, Forest McPhail, M C P H A I L, is how we spell that name.
0: Yeah, and I ordered that on Amazon, and it came the very next day. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing you do, brother Forrest, in your book is you talk about the difficulties of pioneer missions, um, but then you balance that by saying there's such so much blessing with pioneer missions. But what you know are some of the discouragements that you see missionaries in these kind of mission fields face.
2: Well, the blessing of it is there is nothing better in this world than talking to someone and you realize they don't know anything about god or about jesus christ at all and you have the opportunity to introduce them to god Mm -hmm. that is awesome yeah awesome. and Mm -hmm. then to know that and to be able to do that in their language that god gave you the grace to learn Mm -hmm. and to speak that in your second language to them wow that is just a tremendous privilege but discouragements, there are. Um, it is slow. People, because they don't have that background or mm-hmm. that, that grid to work off of, uh, with understanding of the gospel, it takes time. It takes lots of opportunities of explaining truth to them and helping them to understand so they get to the point where they can grasp what does this all mean so that they can repent and believe on Jesus Christ. And then when people do believe, Mm-hmm. They stand out so starkly. They yeah. they cannot hide. Mm-hmm. There are so few believers. Mm-hmm. And, and in a situation like folk Buddhist Southeast Asia, where everything in life is wrapped around religion, mm. you suddenly can't burn incense to the ancestors anymore. You, mm-hmm. you can't be involved in idolatrous worship anymore. Mm-hmm. You suddenly have to be different from everyone else. And there are so few Christians that you can actually draw strength from uh, because their believers are so few. Mm-hmm. So it really is hard. And so because of that, uh, the
1: young Christians, they struggle. And do Christians have a difficult time, let's say, breaking away from traditions of marriage, traditions at f- of funerals? Because obviously they would be religious events as well as social events And they would bring their religion into it. Have Christians struggled with making a clear break and maybe facing family embarrassments and that kind of thing?
2: Well, we found that when people understand the gospel and they repent, meaning they're turning from idolatry to Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. uh, they make the break. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's clear. Mm-hmm. I mean, they stop. They'll take they'll take the idols out of their house. They'll take the altars out, smash them, burn them. Mm. Uh, they they've made a very clear demarcation yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't mess around. Most most if they've heard the gospel as it is in truth and
1: have believed it, mm-hmm. uh, they, they 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 turn from it. Mm. Dear friends, we encourage you to come to Jesus Christ. Yes, Peter says this in First Peter chapter three verse eighteen. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That's why Christ died, so that he will bring you to God. God loves you, dear friends, and he Mm. wants you in his heaven one day. But you must put your faith and trust in the one who suffered for you. Mm. If you need help, prayer tonight. Call us at 929-333-3739.
0: Brother Forrest, another thing you write about in your book is pitfalls. You, quite a few pitfalls in pioneer missions, including what you call a social work paradigm of ministry, often leading to what is known as Rice Christian. So I know it's a big topic, and we only have a few <laughs> minutes left, but can you briefly describe this paradigm and why you believe it does not work?
2: Well... The quick, the quick version. Yeah. I think it's a huge mistake when we marry social work to evangelism.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: And what I mean by that is not that missionaries and Christians can't do good deeds and do good works in other places and meet needs. Right. But it's about how you do it. Hmm. For instance, you can have a medical missions team, for instance, and you can do clinics and, and meet huge physical needs for people mm-hmm. and just be a huge blessing to them. Yeah. But some medical missionaries, while they're doing that, they're asking the people who are getting the care, do you want to become a Christian?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And what they don't understand is that for most peoples in the world, they're going to respond to that question with, well, yes, I'll be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And they have different motivations for that. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's They want to get more care and and more things later, Mm -hmm. and it's self-interest and materialism. They just want more goods from you, and so they say, yeah, I want to become a Christian. Mm -hmm. Other people want to show respect and honor to you because you just did a huge favor to them and their family members. You gave them free medical care, Mm -hmm. so they give you what you want. Mm -hmm. They're going to be a Christian for you that day, Mm -hmm. and they raise their hand. And so a lot of false professions to Christianity occur not uh, because of people Lacking wisdom in how they do these good deeds. So, mm-hmm. what should that medical missionary uh, have done? They 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 could have said, "Let's let's preach the gospel to those who are in the waiting room, mm-hmm. and then not ask them to make a decision while they're getting things from you in right. that at that moment. Yeah. Say, if you're interested in Christianity and if you want to know more, mm-hmm. tonight we're going to meet at five o'clock. You come meet us. Yeah." And then those people, outside of that pressure and that desire to meet an expectation Mm -hmm. or whatever, they can then follow through. Mm. But usually lack of wisdom rules the day Mm. when it comes to these, these kind of issues.
1: Yeah. But, you know, on the other hand, we have to also recognize that Jesus did use physical healing. And as a, as a means of getting people's attention and showing who he was, the son of God. I even think of Matthew chapter nine, mm-hmm. where it says he went about all the synagogues and teaching in their synagogues throughout their cities and villages, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing mm-hmm. every sickness and every disease among the people. I completely agree with what you're saying. And we have to be careful to differentiate that, you know, we're not expecting, just because we're giving you physical help here and maybe giving you medical attention, uh, maybe dentistry work or maybe eye care or whatever, it's not that we are expecting you to be saved just because of this, mm-hmm. but to, it does give the opportunity to share the right, gospel. Right, right. Hudson Taylor was a medical missionary as right. well. So it's more about the how, how yeah. do you go about these things. Right,
2: right, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I I would just say that you gave a good story about this in your book where you mentioned a woman who had a tumor and how you and your ministry and people involved in your ministry went about gathering money for her to be able to get an operation. And you said the way that we did it was not according to that social work paradigm. It was more according to how Jesus would have done it. Right.
1: Yeah, I would think, you know, as well in, in some poorer parts of the world, And I'm sure there's poverty there in Cambodia where you serve. And when they see an American, they probably think, wow, I'm going to go to that American's church and then I'm going to get something out of it. They're going to give me something if I go. And that's not the way to build a church by just giving something to people to come to your church. Because when you leave, you won't have a church. They'll, they'll, you know, in other words, when the national comes and takes over, right? Right. they, They won't be there. So what are some of the ways that you have had to adjust in a cultural, like a cultural Christianity versus what the Bible actually teaches. For example, I noticed in your slide presentation, do you actually like, Sit down while you're preaching there in the pulpit, right. and 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 do you do you sit in chairs in your worship services? Are people sitting on the floor? Or right. and I know that's a very <laughs> minor thing in a way, but it's definitely a cultural difference. So, what are some of the cultural adjustments you've made in ministry in Cambodia? Right. So in cross cultural missions, you have to ask yourself constantly:
2: What does the Bible actually say? What does God actually expect of His people? Versus what have i come to know as the norms from my own experiences mm-hmm. yeah. and some of those things come down to things like time of services mm-hmm. how often do you meet whether you sit in chairs or you sit on the floor like we do in Cambodia because that's more respectful mm-hmm. especially in the provincial area where we are um to sit on the on the floor is more respectful. Because you, you, you uh, want to show place. respect by taking your shoes off yeah. and entering the place where you're going to have worship hmm. and bowing down more in worship. Uh, for instance, in Cambodia, you can't have people who are older than you or more respected than you, uh, lower than you. So you all have to be seated physically lower. physically the same <laughs> yeah. so that you're, you're not above anybody who's supposed mm. to be respected. Mm-hmm. There are all these different things. You can't have the bottom of your feet pointing at people when you're seated on the floor. Uh, all of those uh, things, and many more like them, are things well, you I bet you I would through. offend a lot of people if I went there. You'd have to really help <laughs> me out.
1: <laughs> uh, j- so we only have a couple minutes left, I believe. But tell us about Acts 242. And how this speaks of the essential elements and simplicity of ministry in the early church. I love Acts two forty two because it tells us about the four
2: basic activities of the local church and how they gather together for the taking of, of uh, the, the apostles' doctrine, for the breaking of bread, and prayer and spiritual fellowship. And how that's all that's needed for a Bible believing church is to be busy about those four basic activities. And everything else might be helpful, but isn't those basic things that god expects of his people
1: thank you Forrest. god bless you thank you jenna for being here tonight micah close us off this evening well i just am so
0: convicted by what you guys do on the missions field and i just thank you for your service it is amazing and if you heard anything you want to know more about tonight look at our church website hbcnyc.org and come visit us at heritage baptist church thank you micah good night everyone thank you Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website hpcnyc.org, And join us again next Sunday at 6pm for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church.